Good morning, church family. Let's stand. I'm 
Amen, amen. Amen, we praise you, Lord. We give you glory today and honor and praise. God, you are truly worthy. And Lord, we just magnify you today in this place.
church. Let's give Jesus some praise today. This is what worship is. We magnify his name and all that he has done. You may be seated this morning. Sam and Leslie. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. There we go. Good to see you in the house this morning. Are you excited to be here this morning? Amen. It's good to see you here. Hey, a couple of things. If you're new with us, thank you, thank you so much for being here this morning. We are so grateful for your presence here. And uh, if you are a guest with us, we encourage you to stop by our welcome desk. We have a, a great group of volunteers just get to like to get to know you. Uh, we have a gift there, some information about our church. The other way that you can connect with us is using our digital connect form. You have prayer requests, or if you're looking for more information about our ministries, use that phone number, that resource there, and you can text that, and we'll get with you very shortly in response time. And so use that uh, as a way to do that. You can also connect uh, news to that same number and get what's going on in the life of our church. A few things that we do have going on in the life of the church uh, coming up is one that we have a Say Yes weekend, the next two weekends. So you're gonna see a lot of tables in the atrium. We just believe in the power and the, uh, the privilege of serving. And we would love for you, if you're not serving in the house, uh, we'd love to give you an opportunity to hear more about ways you can serve. And so that's what next weekend is gonna be about. We're gonna have many of our ministries uh, have tables in the atrium. You can get more info about how to serve and ways that uh, different opportunities you have. But let me tell you, when you serve in the house, there's just an incredible blessing uh, that you get from serving. And so you're going to see that over the next couple weekends. We're very excited about it. Also, we have a beach baptism coming up on the 31st. Uh, so we're looking forward to that, July 31st. It's going to be at 1 p.m. If you haven't taken that step of faith uh, and, and you feel like the Lord is calling you, uh, put it on your calendar. You can come forward and talk to one of our decision counselors or see one of our volunteers at the end of the service. And we'd love to get you signed up uh, for that beach baptism. A couple other things I want to let you know about. God has been on the move. Our youth ministry, do we have any youth in the house? Any, any youth ministry volunteers? They had camp this week. Uh, so they had over uh, 50 people that went to Passion Camp this past week and, and just had a great time. And so we have a quick video recap uh, so you can hear a little bit about uh, what how, how God moved this past week. So turn your attention to the screens. What I want to offer you is true north. And true north is the cross of Christ. spiritual, our physical, our emotional healing ultimately comes through the new birth and the revolution of the Holy Spirit of God changing us from the inside out. God repairs the wound. God heals the hurt. God mends the brokenhearted. God puts back together the heart that has been shattered. He lifts up those who have been downtrodden and he 
proclaims the favorable year of the Lord again, and he says, it's not just a band-aid, it's not a slogan, it's not some spiritual mumbo-jumbo, it's my son wounded in your place and wounded for you. of the world now come into your story, you can look at true north and say, by his stripes, I can be healed. How awesome is that? Isn't it great? Our student ministry had the opportunity to go for a week and not only have fun, but certainly hear the truth, of, uh, the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ at the same time. Um, my name is Leslie Hunt. I'm the Connections Minister here at Anastasia, and it's great to be with you this morning. I want to thank you all for your generosity, for being such a generous church, that things like this, that our student ministry that you help to support, be able to reach our youth. Um, our our children's ministry this past week had a pop-up outreach at, um, at Cold Cow. I think I heard that something like 90 people came to that as an outreach. Um, and all that you give makes that kind of difference, not only within the walls of the church, but outside these walls. And, and I also am reminded of your support bringing um, uh, to across the world, and specifically on my mind right now is the Ukraine, and how generous you are in making sure people hear the gospel. Thank you. If, if the Lord has placed on your heart today to give, there are several different ways that you can do that. Um, you can go to our website, anastasiachurch.org, and give there. Um, we have a texting platform. Um, the number's right here. You can text the word GIVE, 904-441-6900. We also have giving boxes at the back of this room and in the atrium as well. So thank you again for being so generous. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you for this day that you've given us. Um, Father, thank you for loving us so much that you provided not only what we need, but even more. Father, help us to remember that all we have is a gift from you. So, I, Father, I pray that you would um, take these tithes and offerings now and that they would um, glorify you in this church and, and across the world. You're worthy of all praise and honor and glory. We love you. It's in the precious, beautiful name of Jesus, I pray. So I'd like to point yourself, uh, point you all across the stage here. Um, we are so blessed. Tonight, um, 
We are having a, a concert for Ukraine, and David Crossman will be in concert, and we are blessed today to get to hear special music from him. refugees uh, still in Moldova. Now, Moldova is a nation of 2.5 million people, the poorest nation in Europe, and they are having to provide for this overnight influx of 90,000 people. 300,000 have already gone through Moldova, have stayed there briefly while moving on to other parts of Europe for safety. More are expected. And I know Ukraine isn't front page news, now. But right now, as, as I'm speaking, the bombs are falling. The day before yesterday, one landed on a nursery, two landed on universities. These places were occupied by human beings. Late December, I wrote a song. It was sort of prophetic. Lord, I lay this year before you like a prayer. And I only ask that you will meet me there Guide my footsteps, put your words upon my tongue Father, let me leave no song of praise unsung Father, you are so wonderful to me I see your hand in all of the world surrounding me and I know Whatever the year might hold You'll be holding me And you won't let go And as far as I can see I can't see So far But farther you can And you'll be leading me Every moment of the day And as far as I can see You know the way So Father, lead on Father, lead on Lord, I lay this year before you like a crown 
I'm not the ruler of my life I lay it down And I trust you with the answer to this prayer Whatever you want is what I want So lead me there Father, you are so wonderful to me I see your hand in all of the world surrounding me And I know whatever the year might hold You'll be holding me And you won't let go Or as far as I can see I can't see So far The farther you can And you'll be leading me Every moment of the day And as far as I can see You know the way So Father lead on Father lead on Father lead on Worship with us this morning. Appreciate David and and uh, his his just ministry. He and his wife have, and uh, just continue to pray for them and all that they're doing. And you know, God has really been working in so many ways. Our, our youth just got back from camp. Uh, we had over uh, fifty in total go there. And if you see anybody fall asleep during service, uh, hopefully uh, they, they won't be mad at me. But uh, maybe it's some of our youth leaders who went who are still trying to recover from sleep. Amen. Do we have any youth leaders in the house that went on camp. I see a few of you guys. Man, we appreciate y'all being here this morning. We also had uh, this past weekend our children's ministry had a pop up event down at uh, Cold Cow Ice Cream. And I heard that they had somewhere about uh, in the neighborhood of 90 kids show up there, about 180 scoops of ice cream. That's a lot of ice cream. And so God is on the move there as well. Uh, But this morning, I I wanted to take a a moment to share one of my favorite stories in Scripture with you. And I I love this story for so many reasons. Um, it's such a powerful story, just as kind of David talked about, about finding hope in desperate places. And it's the story of Naomi and Ruth. And I, I asked my lovely wife, Kelly, to be here this morning. We give Kelly a wonderful round of applause and welcome her. She may, uh, she may not, uh, she may lock the doors when I get home and change the door locks for making her come up here with me. But I, I love this story of Ruth and Naomi. And for us, it's just such a powerful story because it also speaks uh, to my wife Kelly's story in her, in her life and her testimony. And so I've asked her to share a little bit of her testimony throughout this uh, message this morning. But I'm excited that you're here to talk about that this morning. Yeah, church, this morning we really want to share with you the power of relationships and how relationships can really help to pull us out of some of those really dark and desperate seasons that we face. If I were to survey this room this morning, we know that we all walk through different seasons of life. 
We walk through dark places and we have the ability to have those relationships to physically walk beside us. Uh, I've firsthand seen the power of that through mentors and leaders in my life and a little story that I'll share today about who I call Mama Cheryl. Yeah. You know, in reality, life is full of moments of desperate situations. Uh, I, I think for us, we've experienced loss. We've gone through tragedy. We've gone through hurt. And in those moments, I, I believe that we have an incredible hope in the Lord Jesus. And uh, I hope this morning is about really our call as Christ followers to share with the world around us the hope that we have in Jesus. And I think just as David Crossman was talking about them sharing hope uh, to the people of Ukraine, that's our calling. That's what God has called us to do. And I think the story of Ruth speaks that so well. Yeah, and that's honestly why I think that the Lord's word is so powerful. I love that scripture says that his word is active and alive. We know that we can open up his story and we can read all about how God has provided redemption in those desperate situations over and over again, how we can really find hope and healing and peace during those hard times. Today, we're going to share with you a story about Ruth and Naomi. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with the story, there's this incredible story and Naomi and Elimelech, her husband, found themselves kind of in a desperate season of life. It was a desperate situation. And the land that they were in, Bethlehem, uh, fell under famine, right? And so there was a really a physical famine in the land, right? And it was a desperate time. And not only was there a physical famine in the land, there was also a spiritual famine in the land. If you go back through the book of Judges, and that's kind of during the time of Ruth, you see that many of the appointed leaders over Israel did not lead the people of Israel towards God, but in fact led them away. And because of that, there was this famine in the land and there was this spiritual broken famine. And so Naomi and Elimelech decided for the sake of their family, they took their two boys and they left to go to the land of Moab. Now, what you need to know about Moab, Moab was the land of their enemies. It was a land of really false worship. It was not the land of the God of Israel. And so they had left the land of Bethlehem, which if you know the translation really means house of bread. They left the place that was supposed to be a place of blessing and, and God moving and working. But because of the false worship, because so many of the leaders were walking away, the land had become a fam in, under a famine. And so they left to go to Moab. And during this time, what we see is a tragedy strikes, right? It's a desperate situation. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, passes away. And not only that, but uh, Naomi's two sons, they also pass away tragically. And so Naomi is left with her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And we find themselves in just a broken and difficult season. And that's where I want to pick up uh, reading this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Ruth chapter 1. We're going to read starting in verse 6. Ruth chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And if you were able to this morning, could you please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word as we read this passage? It says this in verse 6, Then she arose, speaking of Naomi, with her two daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house, and may the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of your husband. Then he kissed them, and they lifted their, up their voices and wept. 
And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even I should have a husband that that night and should bear sons. Would you therefore wait until they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said this, do not urge me to leave you or to return from the following from you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts from me to you. And when Naomi saw this, she was determined to go with her and said no more. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Such a beautiful passage and such a beautiful truth that we see in this story. Yeah, let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your truth. Uh, We thank you that despite the hard seasons that we have in life, that Lord, you provide us very... Uh, physical and practical ways to walk through those um, and to just simply come alongside of others in that. And so, Lord, we just ask that your spirit would be in this place as we speak your truth this morning. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So really, this story of Ruth and Naomi reminds us of the power that we have as believers, that we can influence other people. And so today, we really just kind of want to give you some of those practical ways that we can do that. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the first point is this. Our job is to lift others up in difficult seasons. If you look back at Ruth chapter one, verse six, it says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. You know, I I think there's so much in this this one verse and that one statement, then she arose. I mean, take a minute to think about and put yourself in Naomi's shoes. She just lost her husband. She just lost her two sons and they are in a foreign land with no hope and in a desperate situation. And I, I think for Naomi, if we're like her, uh, if we could put ourselves in her shoes, I, I think we would have just wanted to lay there and give up on life. But in that moment, she knew that she was not just there for herself, but she had two daughters-in-law to look after. And it says in the midst of that, that she arose and she got up. Uh, you know, for Naomi, her livelihood, her inheritance, uh, you know, those who were to look after her, they were all gone in her life. Yet she chose to get up in that moment because she knew the faithfulness of the God that she served. Yeah, I love reading through this story because I think if we were to just simply examine our own lives, we all have those Naomi's. You know, life isn't perfect. Um, and unfortunately, we have to walk through those difficult seasons. And for me, I love this story so much because I do have a Naomi in my life. I've got several Naomi's in my life. One in particular that I want to share with you this morning um, is who I call Mama Cheryl. She wasn't blood related to me, but she had earned the right to have a voice in my life. She's what I call chosen family. I knew that she was constantly there no matter what situation I was going through, no matter what she was walking through herself. 
I know that uh, she was my best friend's mom growing up. It was, uh, I met her in my middle school years, and so <laughs> crazy middle schoolers in your house. She just simply opened up her home. She was that cheerleader on the, the softball fields um, going crazy, embarrassing the tar out of my best friend and I all the time. She was one of those that like knew my favorite snack, and so I had a spot in her pantry that I could just simply go to when I was there, right? She was one of those that on Saturday nights, we would stay up and sleepovers all hours of the night singing, singing karaoke, usually Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and Hanson. I think I just dated myself a little bit there, but she was there. And not only was she there for those things, she was also there to remind us on Sunday mornings that if we stayed the night with her, we better be get up and going to church. I didn't understand uh, who God really was in that time. My family was not one that actually went to church regularly. Uh, sometimes a church van would come up and pick us up. But Aunt Cheryl, Mama Cheryl, she was one of those that consistently reminded me of the truth. I felt like she was just simply planting seeds in my life. Not only that, she was also my safe haven. Her home was a home that I could just simply go to when I needed it. In fact, as a kid, um, Unfortunately, I grew up in a family that really struggled with that generational cycle of addiction. Um, and that was very prevalent. I didn't understand what addiction was. I didn't understand uh, the, the trauma that I would face. But I knew that my parents needed help. And her home was one that was open to me when my parents needed to go and get the help that they deserved. And so I lived with Mama Cheryl off and on throughout my teenage years. And so she was there consistently. What I also love is that she continuously taught me the truth of God's word. Despite me not having a relationship with the Lord, anytime I spoke those lies over myself, like I'm not worth anything, I don't have a purpose, I don't understand what God is actually doing in my life. Like if there is a God out there who loves us so much that they speak so highly of on Saturday, Sunday mornings, then why on earth is this happening in my life? She was constantly there to remind me of the truth of who God was. It wasn't until my high school years that I actually put my full faith in God. And I love that she was my number one cheerleader in that. She continuously celebrated that. Um, I can always remember her kitchen table was one where uh, we would sit down and we would actually pray together as a family. She taught me how to take those lies that I was speaking in my mind and actually put truth over those. She taught me what it meant to read scripture. Unfortunately, our senior year of high school, she lost her husband tragically in a car accident. And so ironically, she was just like Naomi. She was struggling with her own deep darkness. But despite that, she still chose to walk alongside of me. I had a health uh, concern kind of pop up in my high school years, a lung disease that I had no idea. In fact, it kind of sideswapped me um, and really changed the course of my life and what my plans were in my life. I didn't know where I was going to go to college anymore. I had lost a scholarship to go and play softball. And she was there to consistently remind me of the purpose. And even though I couldn't see God working in that little circumstance, she was there to always point me back to who he was and point me back to the word. And so, man, she helped me to find healing. She helped me to find hope. She helped me and reminded me of the peace that I could have in Christ. 
I love that illustration and, and that testimony of the body of Christ stepping out to help others in their time of need. When we really talk about the, the identity, the purpose of the church, the purpose is that to help lift others up in their desperate situations. And I love when the church comes together to do that. Uh, we had, we had a, a circumstance just a, a few weeks ago where we had uh, someone in our church family pass away, and I loved watching the church just rally around that family to be there at every waking moment to help, to support, to provide food, to provide meals. And really, as we talk about, this is what God intended the church to do. Lift others up in their time of need and share the hope of the gospel through caring for one another. And so this morning, as, you, as we talk about the story of Naomi and Ruth, I hope that you hear that our call as the church is to lift others up in difficult seasons. And kind of how we see Naomi did this for her daughters-in-law, Ruth, is she put hope on the horizon. And I love this part. Uh, Naomi talks about in, in verse 6 of Ruth that she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited the people and given them food. Naomi heard that the God of Israel had visited his people, those who were faithful and provided for them. And so she kind of put hope on the horizon for her daughters-in-law. And, and, and what you need to know about Naomi is that she was an Israelite. She knew the faithfulness of God. Her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, they were of Moabite. And so that meant that they, they didn't know the God of Israel. They didn't know his faithfulness. But here is Ruth putting hope on the horizon by sharing with her daughters-in-law the God that she knew in his faithfulness. Yeah, if you were to look around the world, there are people desperately searching for hope, in desperate need of who understanding who God is and what he has called them to do and the purpose that he has in their life. And they're looking for a way out. And I think as believers, as a church body, we have the ability to go out and share what that is. Absolutely. I was thinking about uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was, um, you know, offshore fishing and uh, I, I get really seasick. I don't know if anybody else gets seasick, but my only saving grace when I'm offshore fishing or when I'm out at sea is I have to look to the horizon line, right? Because when things are moving around, that horizon line kind of stays in the, in the place it needs to be. Well, this last time as I was out, the waves were so big that I, I couldn't see the horizon line. <laughs> and so I could just feel like the nauseousness welling up in me and I kept, you know, through the, the glimpses of the waves moving the boat in around, I could just catch that horizon line. And that was kind of my hope to not get sick, right? And, and I believe the same is true as we talk about the world around us and the people that who are struggling in desperate situations. It often feels like being on a boat in the midst of a storm and the waves are moving the boat and moving our lives every which way. And we're just looking for a glimmer, a glimpse of hope on the horizon, but as Christ followers, we know that hope. We know the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, and we can turn to that. And we need to be reminded of that hope, but we also need to share that hope with the world around us. Yeah, I think oftentimes it's easy to be focused on our own little circumstances, right? Like when you're going through a storm yourself, it's often hard to see past that. Um, and I think if we think about all the people around us, they're also not able to see past that. We've got a scripture that we want to share with you this morning. It's Hebrews chapter, nine, chapter 6, verse 19. It says this. It says, yes, Jesus is our hope and our anchor. It doesn't say their circumstance is their hope or their anchor. It doesn't say that their spouse is their hope or their anchor. It doesn't say that their job or their security or their comforts are their hope and their anchor. It says that Jesus is their hope and their anchor. 
What it also says is it says that he will keep us in the midst of the storms. He who is able to keep us steadfast and unmovable in spite of the tides of life. Spoiler alert, tides of life will happen. There will be high tides, there will be low tides, right? Unfortunately, we don't walk in this life in a field uh, of daisies. I wish we did, but unfortunately we don't. And thankfully we've got that Jesus that can be our anchor. But I think oftentimes we forget that he is our anchor because we get so focused on our own situations and our own circumstances. If you look around our world though, it's full of people who are in the midst of those big storms. Unfortunately, there's divorce. Unfortunately, there's addiction. Unfortunately, there's worry and anxiety and depression. Unfortunately, there are those things that are just so consuming for those people. But what I love about this is that we have the ability to remind people that Jesus can be their anchor. He can help us in those times of storm. But church, can I ask a bold question? Are you reminding them of that? Are you ensuring that your circumstances are not so big in your own life that you're focused on what our job is really called to do? Our job is really called to remind people, to point people back to Jesus. And so I just simply wanna ask a couple of questions. Are you stepping in to help people see that, that hope really is on the horizon? that their situation that they're currently sitting in is not one that they have to stay in, that they can actually see beyond their circumstances, that God has a bigger place in their life. I think that it's really easy to be able to do this. Uh, Oftentimes, sometimes we feel ill-equipped. Like, I don't know how to help people who are going through this thing that I've never experienced before in their life. Can I tell you that a simple text message with a scripture of, hey, I'm praying for you. Here's a scripture that's on my heart just to share with you can be so powerful. I know that there have been times in my life that I've been going through a situation that maybe I've shared with people or maybe I haven't, but I've received a text message out of the blue with a scripture that has rocked my world and allowed me to shift my eyes to something bigger than my circumstance. It can also just be a physical phone call. Like we are not in a time of day where we actually pick up the phone and call people anymore, but pick up the phone and call someone when you know that they are going through something, allowing them to hear someone else's voice and not just simply reading it on their screen. Pick up the phone and actually call someone. I think that there's also power in just simply going and sitting physically with someone who's mourning, someone who's grieving. I know when me, when I've lost someone really close to me, just having someone else there, they didn't need to say anything. They didn't even need to speak anything, but just having them present with me. And so I think as believers, we're called to do something in order to help those people. And so think about what are some of those things that you can do to help those people in your life that are physically going through a storm. And if you don't know of anybody going through a storm, I could give you a whole list of people that you could reach out to, but sit and actually ask the Lord to place that on your heart. Like, Lord, open my eyes to see those people around me who are struggling, who are going through a storm. And I promise you, he will put someone in your path probably within seconds. You know, and that kind of goes along with the next thing that we see Naomi doing for Ruth and her daughters-in-law is she gives blessing and affirmation over them. 
right? We see over and over, and really a theme in the book of Ruth is blessing and affirmation. I love going back to verses six through eight. It says, go return to each to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you. You have uh, dealt with the dead and with me. And, And it says this key word here, the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of your husband. Like, Naomi wanted the best for her daughters-in-law. She wanted them to experience rest, for them to experience hope again. And so she is speaking that blessing over and over and over again. And I love that we see that throughout the book of Ruth. And as you go through the book of Ruth, you know, really, we see that Ruth clings to Naomi while Orpah goes back to the land that she was from. Ruth makes a commitment to follow uh, Naomi through thick and thin. I love that commitment that she has, and she walks with her. But you know, really the hope for both of them was to find a redeemer in their life. What they needed was a redeemer, someone to step in. And, and the term that it uses in the book of Ruth is kinsman redeemer. And it's a special term that we see here, but a kinsman redeemer would be of the family of Naomi and they would step in to look after those who were in a time of trouble and a time of need. And they would help provide their livelihood. They would care for them, overlook them. And, and that's really what their hope was. And really, if you were to break down what the, the word kinsman redeemer was, it was someone who would act on the behalf of a relative who was in trouble or in danger. And at this point in the story, I mean, they were in a desperate hope and, and they needed someone to step in. Well, I, I love the story of Ruth uh, because it's like a happy, happy ending story, right? I don't know if guys, if you have ever uh, had to sit through a Hallmark movie, any guys in here had to sit through a Hallmark movie? I've sat through a few, but you know, the Hallmark movie, right? It starts out with tragedy. There's no way for hope to enter in until Prince Charming enters in later in the movie, right? That's the story of Ruth. They copied that from the book of Ruth, right? But that's what we see. Just as Naomi and Ruth entered back into the land of Bethlehem, a man named Boaz steps into the picture. And Boaz is the one who comes in and allows Ruth to go into his field to find her livelihood, to provide for her and Naomi. But not only that, but he blesses her and he encourages her. And then she comes back to Naomi and said, hey, Naomi, guess what? I met this really nice guy. His name's Boaz. And and Naomi steps in and says, hey, just so you know, Boaz is one of our kinsmen redeemer. (laughs) And I don't want to give away the whole story. I encourage you to read it. But it's this beautiful passage. And even in Ruth chapter 2, verse 220, Naomi said this to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, this man is a close relative of hers, one of our redeemers. Man, isn't it awesome that Naomi, she knew that God was faithful. She knew the goodness of God. And she put that hope before her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And as they step back into Bethlehem, what happens? God's favor, God's protection, God's faithfulness shows up right there. And Ruth gets to experience it. And so I love to see this uh, as a reminder too that, you know, how important it is for us to put on hope on the horizon for those around us. How many people are desperate to hear the good news of Jesus? How many people are so desperate in their situation? They're just looking for hope on the horizon all while we have that hope and that promise of Christ Jesus. And, and the next thing I, I just want to give you as a part of that, which is important as we talk about this, is when we want to help people find hope on the horizon, we, we walk alongside others in their journey towards redemption. That's the fourth thing you can write down. Walk alongside others in their journey towards redemption. 
And Naomi saw that she was determined, speaking of Ruth, to go with her. She said no more, right? There's this moment when Naomi and Ruth are talking and, and Naomi's saying, hey, Ruth, go back to your homeland. You know, I hope that you have find blessing. I hope that you find rest. But then Ruth commits to following Naomi. She says, where you go, I'm gonna go. In fact, the passage says, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people should be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and therefore I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts from me to you. Man, this is this beautiful statement of Ruth committing to being with Naomi. And when Ruth committed to being with Naomi, Naomi walked with her towards the pathway of redemption. You know, here in Anastasia, we call that discipleship. When you walk with somebody in their journey to finding redemption and hope in Christ, that's called discipleship. And, and I love that in the story of Naomi and Ruth, neither of them had their life altogether at this point, right? They were both struggling. I mean, Naomi had just lost her husband. She had just lost her two sons. Yet nevertheless, she was willing to walk with Ruth towards her pathway towards redemption. You know, we have, we have a saying at Anastasia that we are imperfect people helping other imperfect people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. Boy, if there's ever a story that fit that narrative, it's the story of Ruth, right? Naomi and Ruth, they didn't have it all together, but they were committed to walking towards the God of Israel and finding faithfulness there. I think that at the end, an amazing thing happens. Uh, Naomi commits to walking with Ruth and helping her to find that blessing and affirmation in her own life. Um, and to be honest, we're surrounded by those people each and every day. And just like Sam said, this is called discipleship. Like as believers, we're not called to just simply share the truth. And then once they accept Christ, just simply walk away. No, we're called to just continuously walk alongside someone, teaching them what it's like to actually navigate this life. I think as a church, if we were to really step up and help those who are lost, our community could be a different place. Our world could be a different place. And so I wanna ask like, who are you discipling? Who are you called to disciple? If you're not truly investing into someone else, just like someone is probably invested into you, then ask the Lord to simply place that person on your heart. I think for many of us, um, our biggest blessing is seeing God move in the life of other people. Some of my favorite memories of just simply working in ministry is being able to teach kids the gospel and then to walk alongside of it, to then see them adults who are then serving in youth camps, uh, to see them serving in professions and proclaiming God and allowing other people in their community to be changed by who God has created them to be. There's nothing more powerful than giving your life in order to serve other people. And so who are you serving today? You know, as we come to a time of invitation uh, this morning, uh, just as Kelly said, you know, who has God called you to walk alongside in their pathway towards redemption? Who has God called you to share the truth of the gospel with? Who has God called you to be that source of encouragement and blessing and affirmation and pointing them towards the hope that we have in Jesus? You know, this morning though, as, I, as we come together, I'm sure that many of us are dealing with or struggling with the hard places in life right now. The hurt that we're going through right now in this place, in this season of life. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. 
Maybe it's, uh, it's battles with addiction. Maybe it's battles uh, with self-identity. But this morning, if I could just speak the truth to you, there's hope on the horizon. There's hope on the horizon. His name's Jesus, and he has gone before us. He has gone ahead of us. And through his death, through his sacrifice, through his blood that was shed on the cross, we don't have to walk alone. We don't have to walk through it alone. That God has put those people in our life. It's called the church to walk alongside and pick others up. But we need to help those around us find hope in Christ Jesus. So this morning, if, uh, if you're here and you're, you've got battles in your life and you're ready to surrender them over, I encourage you to do that. Christ stands ready to receive those. He, he invited us, in fact, to lay our burdens down at his feet. Maybe this morning, you'd be so bold to lay those down at his feet. Maybe this morning, right where you're at, right where you're at, as a walk of obedience, as an act of worship, you would say, God, put on my heart who I need to walk with. Put in my life, put on my heart who my Ruth needs to be. Because I want to be an encourager, I want to be an uplifter and I want to share the hope of Jesus with others. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. God, we, uh, we just, God, give you glory. We give you honor, Lord. We thank you for the story of Ruth and God, how, uh, God, you just worked, God, in an powerful, mighty way to give hope when it seemed like it was just a desperate situation, a hopeless situation. But God, we pray, Father, for those who are battling, who are dealing with some struggles this morning. Maybe this morning they would lay them down. But God, also, we pray for those who, God, you are calling to walk alongside others. May God, they walk in faithfulness to do it. God, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Let's stand, let's worship. And if God's calling you, if, if, if you need prayer this morning, you come this morning. If you wanna sit where you're at and, and ask God to reveal those who you're called to walk with, you do that this morning. But you come, you respond this morning as the Lord leads. Oh 
for redemption and healing all the while we know the redeemer jesus amen let's take that name unto the world around us to our community to our homes to the streets we live on let's proclaim our redeemer amen god bless you have a good day